Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Eyes, a QPR podcast, which will sound very familiar to me, Simon and George, because we did one last night and an hour into the show, they decided to tell me that my microphone was playing up again. So I'm recording on different things, so hopefully listeners can hear me, but more importantly, they hear the guests, because that's what it's all about. Talking right from, I'm going to go across, it's weird doing it on this. I haven't done it on a laptop before, it's really weird. I can see it's all perfectly. It's really scary. Normally, I do it in the phone and my head's moving all over the place. Those days are gone. George Sharp, welcome. Cheers, Paul. Uh, happy to be on again. And yeah, obviously, last night, I should have said something sooner. So sorry about that, but it happy helped. to be on. <laughs> George, the thing is, you were absolutely superb last night. Lot to live up to. Lot to live up to, mate. Don't worry if it's not the same. It's fine. Simon, Mr... I'll tell him at the end of the podcast, it sounded shade. How are you? Very well, mate. I'm really pleased that I've had some sort of prep, so hopefully I'll sound a little better than I did yesterday. Well, you've been on all season, mate. Anyway, and Saf is back. Saf, how are you? I'm back to, I'm I'm still not over Saturday to be honest, Paul. But um oh. yeah, no, good, good, good to be back back on. And uh yeah, yeah, good to be here. For anyone who doesn't know, Safa is a lovely fellow who travels with his very pregnant wife. God, I don't start on Saturday. And he's about to be a dad, which is why he looks very tired. And they travel from the other white. And um, yeah, you're knackered. So well done. But the good thing is about us mates at the pod last night, you get to come on up tonight. Marvellous. Bonus. So <laughs> as I've heard what Simon and George have got to say, but no one else has, I'm going to start with you. Because that's a punishment for not telling me. Um, go on, mate. What thoughts on Saturday? At Wednesday, I've um, I mean, yeah, what what on earth? It's really rare. I mean, we've all seen so much over the last couple of years, but that end was absolutely shell shocked. At the end, I can't remember the last time I've seen a just a collapse like that. It was it was absolutely soul destroying. Um, yeah, I honestly gutted, absolutely gutted. Um, even the way it sounds funny, you know, it's not even we just let in two goals at the end and. It was the chances we had after they equalised. You know, we had a big chance and uh, just it's just unbelievable. And then even in the lead up, just before they equalised, we had a huge that huge chance with Field. Um, I said, I'm, I'm genuine. I'm still not over it. It was it was horrific. What a what a crazy end to a game. Great. Well, I'm going to bring the other two in now because I think I'm going to give you five minutes to gather your thoughts, Safa. Yes, indeed. Simon, um, oh, before I do that, can I just say, I, I, I never liked Sheffield Wednesday's ground. And I, I still can't believe they, they they get so many fans going there and they're still, it's like always the first time you've been there, isn't it? It's a really chaotic ground to go to and not the best. And um, But some atmosphere, I'll give the Rangers fans up. Simon, take up where Safa left and pretend you never said anything last night. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's always good to have a bit of a reality check, particularly given how overexcited people were getting after the whole game, trying to take the 80 to 1 on us, making top six, that sort of thing, having come in from 500 to 1. Um, so, yeah, Wednesday against Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday was a bit of a reality check, to be honest, and it's ever thus with QPR, isn't it? Beat Preston, beat whole sides challenging for the playoffs. And then we go, we go to sides who, probably in theory, we we look like favourites, particularly against Plymouth, who hadn't won away all season. And unfortunately, a few of the a few of the nagging issues that we've had over the last two years, um, we saw coming back a little bit on those last two games. Plymouth, especially before the ten men, they could have been about a good two three nil up, and for better finishing, they they probably would have been. Um, but there were there were times where we were reverting a little bit to the slow to the slow possession we were used to as comfort blankets under Warburton, Beale, Critchley in particular, and that was a little bit that was a little bit of a concern. That yes, the Quentes has done a lot of really really good things, and we were no hopeless in the end of October when Ainsworth left, and what he's done to get us more organised to try and get Willock chair firing a little bit more is genuinely being impressive because I couldn't see any way out of it and he's given us a chance now. But I think if we look at it, 
we could maybe question one or two of the things that he decided to do in those last couple of games. And probably using the squad rotation, Kelman didn't really work against Plymouth. And there's almost a question there, should we have maybe used our first team in the games against Plymouth Sheffield Wednesday instead of doing the rotating and then maybe um, perhaps taking it a little bit more easy as such or playing some of the squad players against Southampton and Ipswich. And I know that's a big risk and I know that's stuff we criticised Ainsworth for, for sort of like putting other teams on the pedestal. But I wonder if he looks back after that and thinks that's maybe what he should have done. Fair point, though. I would say that... um... It's it's a tricky one, but I I never until you said that I didn't think of it. But yeah, you we needed to win those two games one hundred percent, and up until the last ten minutes, you were George. Well, I, I'm I'm not as negative about it because I haven't been on the podcast since Ainsworth left, and as many of you know, I'm a massive fan of possession football, and I've loved Marty ever since he's come in. And I, I was at Wednesday night at Plymouth, and I thought. I agree with you, Simon, in the fact that we should have been 2-3-0 down initially. The chances they had, if they had a decent striker or something who could put the ball in the back of the net, it would have been a completely different game. And then obviously the ref, I don't, I don't know how much of a red card it was. I saw a freeze frame of it. It did look pretty high. So, uh, but I think it was a red, to be fair. No, it was a red. It was a red. But <laughs> it, it almost seemed like complacency then hit. It was a case of Loftus Road is never the easiest ground to play against 10 men for because they can just put 10 men behind the ball and it's incredibly difficult. And that's what it seemed like. And Simon picked up on it uh, last night, actually. Lafesh, he was on for a little bit, for 20 minutes. And then when he when he came off, uh, it seemed to get slow again. Like For the first 20 minutes of the second half, we seemed to be quick, switching it side to side. But then we almost ran out of ideas. And I think it's nothing to to get too down about. It is hard to play against 10 men, harder than we think. It's just, Saturday was the one for me, that final 10 minutes. Like, it was never, it was never the best display. I've referred to the first half as similar to Preston's first half when I saw it. I weren't there, so I was watching it on TV. But uh, the collapse at the end, I think it had a lot to do with Fields' miss. Like, watching it in the replays, why didn't he just put his foot through it rather than trying to place it? And it was just, it's, it's so disappointing to see, but I'm trying to be positive about it. Obviously, I don't have the same feeling of distraught as you three who were there. And I'm try, I'm looking at it as a not personal because I weren't there sort of thing. So I'm I'm still positive about everything. I think two bad results, not, not, not anything to beat yourself up over. So staying positive. The thing is, I, I get what Saf is saying and I get what Simon's saying, but without... Sort of, yeah. I don't think it's negativity. I don't think it's being down. I think it's just we were going somewhere, we were finding momentum, and then we've kind of just got to a stage where we think, oh, we're still in trouble. And I think it's the league table more than the matches. I think if we had have got away from the bottom three with the wins, Swords Law, the other teams were around us, and then we had a wee bit of a blip, you're not that second bottom position. So everything looks a bit worse than, than what it is. But listen, you, you learn from mistakes and he'll learn from Saturday and he will learn because the way he talks about the game and other podcasts and um, ones he does about football and his tactics and everything else, the guy's got a brain, he's got a plan, but he's probably finding out the limitations of the squad as well. I mean, everyone says to me, funny enough, Simon said about Kelman and other, everyone says in training he's the best player there is, he, he, he talks it away really well, but that's obviously not coming onto the pitch because we brought him for, what was it, George, you said last night? Hey, 800,000. Okay, so that's a lot of money. And it's not going to happen. He'll leave at the end of the season. I think his contract's up. He'll be gone. Um, and we just, yeah, the field miss was, was crucial. But then, you know, the, he tried to place it when it would have been better just, you know, put his, putting a foot through it and just got hoping for best or even a flipping toe poke. Because um, that, that's, as Warburton would say, the fine margins. And we're back to that again. But we'll see. I mean, Saturday's massive. It is really massive. But... Uh, Safa, did you see any positives in Saturday apart from the fact it was a beautiful sunset? <laughs> that was a, a brilliant sunset. Um, I'm, I, to be honest, to go back to what George said, that that mm. was a, a gut wrenching way to to end a football game. But you know, the, on the whole, if you'd have offered me this kind of when you know when when Sefuentes first come in, I'd have absolutely ripped your hand off. I, I mean, I think we've been the football has been ten times better. There's no denying it. We we mm. it's enjoyable to watch. 
I didn't actually, the Plymouth game was frustrating, but, you know, it, far, far better teams. Look at Liverpool versus United. It was exactly the same thing. If a team's going to camp and put 10 men, 11 men behind the ball, <laughs> it's very, very hard to break that down. I come out of Plymouth a bit annoyed, but I, that that many teams would struggle to break that down. I thought Plymouth played quite well. And, you know, I think they're, uh, performance-wise against them, I thought they they I thought they looked quite decent myself. I don't think personally they'll they'll be in the bottom three at the end of the season. You myself. say that, you say that. So manager, I know the manager's gone, but in terms of that team we were playing, they mm-hmm. at that point I thought they looked quite good. So I wasn't too uh, too thin. But Sheffield Wednesday was it was yeah it was it was really really frustrating. I think that it was it was just also predictable the way it went. You could feel the game moving that direction. Um, and yeah, I said, I, I love what he's done with the team. I really do. Um, and over the, the body of work since he's come in has been so impressive. Um, but yeah, that Sheffield Wednesday one was a tough one to take, especially because of who we were playing. That second goal would have killed them. You know, I think the more it goes goes on, that, that goal field scored at Burnley and that win we had, I don't know what's more... Uh, what's more impressive, the fact he got a goal or the fact we beat them, because the chances he's had this season in big, big moments and it invariably seems to keep falling to him and he's not, he just, the, the finishing is terrible, you know. I know he gives you so much in another sense, you know, he's definitely one of my, our better players, but um, yeah, I said it's a, it's that one moment, the whole game's hung on Um, and sadly it's not, not gone our way again, but um, on the whole, I'm far, far more positive than you know, about our, our prospects of survival now. I really am. Um, there's a lot of good. It's just a, it was just a bad, bad day at the office on Saturday. I mean, we let your man, Barry, um, what's his face, control the midfield too much for my liking. He what, was... a, what a player he is, by the way. Absolutely. He is. He can be, but if you give him too much room, my granny could play it like that. <laughs> he was giving way too much room, too much respect. But I did feel, I thought you felt, Simon, I don't know. Did they get a trophy afterwards? Because they were, it was, it's almost like they're doing that thing of like you know they've either got to a major fight. I know they had a crap run. They hit the chairman. They, they they don't like the owners. Everything else, blah blah blah. But we bit OTT, wasn't it? Yes and no. I mean, you think okay. about the position we were in and think about what we were like after we beat Stoke. When we beat Stoke two one down with eleven minutes oh, to go, and to go back and end up winning the game four two, the place was absolutely rocking. Then last no, time, right. the last time back in March when we beat Watford. It, it felt like we were winning the cup final, ironic, given Troy Deeney's comments. But what we, but what you're basically seeing is it was a big game for them. And if we'd have ended up winning that and we ended up holding on, we're, what, 10 points, 10 points clear. Sheffield Wednesday are about eight, nine points off. Yes, they might well have celebrated it as a cup final, but I have to say, I think if we'd have done that, we'd have, we'd have done the same. So I'd... Don't, don't really have any boys. resent. I don't have any resentment to them for that at all. I think what two thousand two thousand and four. Um, that's all I'm saying, Sam. I've had never forgiven for that ruin my day. Lovely day it was, but yes, you're right. I take it back. You're quite right. Sorry, Sam. Carry on. Yeah, I, and and I think again the frustrating thing for me and Sapper mentioned about it felt as if it, you could feel the waves coming. It's interesting. I actually thought just before the field goal, we'd. We'd actually weathered the storm a bit. They had the first 10, 15 minutes when you had Clark Salter's clearance off the line. They were resorting in, in the end to sort of long-range shots, one which Begovic saved well. But at that time, it's almost felt like they they ran out of ideas. And actually, if we wanted um, to go forward, like we did really well to set up the um, field charts, if, we, if we'd have just been able to have done a bit more than that, that would have worked. And I, I think I said it last night. It was the first time um, Sequentes has made um, substitutions which were a lot more defensive. And probably looking back in hindsight, would he have taken a centre midfielder off and put another person at the back? So we went three at the back because what that did for us after those 75 minutes is it pushed us back another 10 or so metres where actually what we needed to do was come out a little bit He's come out a little bit more. Um, yeah, we said it last night, and George is right. Larkesh not being on for a little bit of energy on the left, I think, also makes a significant difference. And hopefully, um, concussion, concussion willing or not, hopefully he's going to be okay for Saturday because I think he is someone who, in those last 20, 25 minutes, will be 
a really good link. And the other person I felt sorry for was Elijah Dixon Bonner, who I think played in five positions during yeah. one game. So we know that he's probably one of the few players, particularly in the middle, who does make an effort to try and get that ball forward as quickly as he can. And that was ultimately what we lacked a little bit in that sense of mid-ease. Someone who can go on that half turn and play that ball forward quicker. And Dixon Bonner is the only one who can do that. And look, sometimes it doesn't come off, but you'd much rather have someone trying to do that than what we're doing with them, Dizelle, Field, Colback, where they don't do anything on the half turn. They need to take a touch and then pass it. And that means, particularly in the last couple of games, players have got back a lot, lot quicker. Preston's the blueprint. Look at what we did second half chair early balls and actually getting it forward a lot, lot earlier. That's your blueprint and hopefully it's something that we're working on a lot more. What are we thinking about now, Savantas had some games, George, what are we thinking about strikers and will we have enough goals in this to survive with this current squad? But it's a, no, it's the simple answer. I think it's a case of going into, an, going, into a, going into a season with Lyndon Dykes, who's never been a double-digits goal scorer, in this division and Sinclair Armstrong, someone who's completely unproven, is absolutely criminal. And I think that comes down to the factor of squad depth again, something I've been going on about this whole season. Like, yeah, not just in the striker position, uh, Simon touching it, Elijah Dixon Bonner playing right back. I, was, I don't think he's ever done that in his life. And I think that's just got a lot to do with the fact that there's not any squad rotation. Yes, you've got Kakai, but... If Gakai's just starting fullback or a fullback you need to rely on, I don't think it's going to be a good season anyway. But that's just my opinion. And I just think that we've learned a couple of things. One, that although he's trying to rotate the squad, especially against Plymouth starting Kelman, it's just something that's not going to be able to work at the moment with the players we got. And I, I've always said this, if we can hold out until January 1st when that window opens, stay within touching distance, I think we'll be all right because of the bench we have at the moment is so weak like you look you look at these other championship clubs and you look and you think he can come on and change the game he can come on and change the game we've got Armstrong you can come and run at them but apart from that you got you got no one and even against Sheffield Wednesday he, he was starting so you look at the bench and you think yeah maybe Willock can come on but that's one man like but go, going back onto the striker conversation I think they're, they're two very different strikers Dykes and Armstrong Armstrong pushes their defenders back he pushes them back another 10 yards and scares them. No matter how good he is in front of goal, he's a scary player. And I think Dykes, he's he's very much a hold-up player. You didn't see it as much against Sheffield Wednesday. I don't think he did it as well in the second half. But they're two strikers on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And then, of course, we've got Charlie Kelman, who, what, scored seven goals in League Two over a full season? If, it, if they're your three strikers going into it, I just think it's you're setting yourself up for disaster. Oh, well, at least he wants to sit in the fence for that one. Who wants to pop in there, Safa? Yeah, I mean, I've I I think we we've discussed Dyke so many times on this podcast. Um, I mean, forget the goal scoring; it's never going to happen. He doesn't have any, you know. I, I, I more I watch him, everything just everything's always seems to be back to front. He can never seem to sort his feet out. His his timing is terrible. He's not in. He's got no instinct at all. I think the thing that really really frustrated me for him. Let's face it, he had no service on Saturday at all. So we don't come out saying, oh, he didn't score. He didn't have anything to work with. I think it really frustrated me. I'm looking at him as a target man, if we want to call him that. The amount of times the balls come up and it's a 50-50 between him and the defender. And he, I don't think he won a header, you know? And I'm thinking, I don't care if he nods it out for a throw-in, just allow us to kind of get some relief. But every time the ball comes forward, it invariably comes straight back. And I'm thinking, even if it was just some niggly foul, if he did something, just make himself a bit of a nuisance. But he looked so, so lightweight against their defence. And I know he didn't have a huge amount of men near him, but I would just expect for a man of his size to at least half of the time kind of just give us some relief. And like that's why I personally felt, I do agree with Simon, they had so much of the ball, weren't doing a great deal with it. But why I say about why I felt it was going to is we we just could not hold the ball. We could not get up the pitch. And a huge part of that was the fact that he just he just offered nothing. Like George said, at least Armstrong for his faults, at least he stretches them and gives you something going the other way. 
Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, I, f- I found him really, really tough to watch at the weekend. And again, not for any lack of, um, you know, missed chances or anything like that. I, I just felt for a target man, he could have relieved a lot of pressure and, it, and he just didn't, sadly. And um, far too often that's that's the case with him, regretfully. I think it was. I think from the conversation I was seeing on Saturday with um, Dunn and a couple of other players are trying to tell Smith to go a bit more wider to cut in and try and feed it through to Dykes. But I, th- I think he was like, muscled a lot of the time. I think that he, 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 um, he, if you keep, whereas Armstrong's not scared to steam in, Dykes sometimes, because Dykes inevitably will get booked. Every time he goes in hard, he, he'll get booked. Armstrong, because he's young, he's enthusiastic. I still think he's probably better on going wide and Smith wide. And then whoever can fit that middle spot, be it Willock for a time or Dykes or whatever, but we need to get goals. Simon, solve the goal scoring scenario for me, please. Well, we got the blue, as I said a little bit earlier, we got a little mm. bit of the blueprint in the second half against Preston, which is you get early, you get early balls, you get early crosses in. And to be fair, that's the one thing we know Lyndon Dykes, Lyndon Dykes can do is if a ball comes in early and you look at West Brom, you look at Swansea, you look at the chance he created against Plymouth, which their keeper saved. That is mm-hmm. that is the main way that we can get goals. And the one thing we did much better against Preston than we did probably in the last couple of games is gambling on is gambling on runners. And I think the other thing that we really must do a lot, lot more, and I mentioned it last night, was our centre midfield. I think the sum total of two goals from Andre Dizel won an absolute worldie. That's not enough, particularly if we do have strikers. Who we know aren't gonna who aren't gonna score, and I think that's one of the frustrating things with field. And again, it was discussed that that's probably what and Saka's absolutely right. It's probably what six points that we've lost because of those three chances. And I totally get field offers a lot defensively. He's he's a superb defensive midfielder but the one thing I think we want to look for now is what 24-25 is if he wants to go to that next level he's got to bring a couple of extra things to his game one that ability to turn and pass the ball forward which is something that he's not quite he's got and I'm sure sequences will work with him on that and the second one is that is he's got to finish better and if he comes away as a holding midfielder who's getting five six goals there's going to be teams in the top half of the championship who are going to want him and potentially even better teams in the lower end of the premiership. So hopefully the coaching staff, and I'm sure they are, are working with him just to make sure that he gets those things extra to his game. And the one thing that I'd be certainly more confident on is sequences and the coaching staff will do more on that than, than certainly Ainsworth would have done. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like anyone to use... So the words that describe my shooting ability as an attacking midfielder, Simon, when I was playing football, which they said you couldn't finish in a brothel. Uh, it haunts me till to today. It really does. Um, George? Yeah, for, I think I can't, I disagree and yet agree with you. I think that Sam Field, the chances he's had, he should have put them away. Any professional footballer should be able to score from them positions. All you've got to do is whack your foot for it, saying that, I wouldn't be able to score it. But uh, I just think <laughs> <laughs> I just think that uh, the, go- the goals he saved us has balanced out the goals that he has uh? like not scored. Like, you think about it, one example, Birmingham away this year, that goal on clearance, never seen it before in my life. No. Carl Walker in the Community Shield-esque, and it was just... I've I've always been a fan of Sam Field. I, I looked at it actually. I think he's out of contract in the in the summer, which is not a good thing to see. Obviously, he's got a year. He's got an he's extra got year. year. But if he's got an extra year, then that almost makes it. I believe that he's one of our bigger assets, even if he doesn't. Uh, he's triggered. Yeah, if he doesn't add any goals to his game, he's still one of our bigger assets because I think he's been so pivotal to our. Game for especially under Ainsworth's reign, he was so pivotal because he would just break down the play. And because we were always on the back foot, he was having to do so much. I think under Sif Wentes, he's not been as noticeable, which I think as a defensive midfielder, if you're not noticed on the pitch, you've done your job well. And I think it's because there's not as much pressure on him. That's the same as like I, I, I brought it up the other day, Begovic as well. 
there's not as much pressure on him because he's not getting onslaught after onslaught. And uh, I'm sure he wouldn't care. He's an old, he's an old professional yeah. footballer, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, if he's constantly getting work like that, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help your chances, is it? So I just think Sifuentes has changed it around with really well, and I think with Field. Although he should have put his chances away, I think it's a bit harsh. I've seen people on Twitter pointing fingers at him, just call him like overrated and stuff like that. He's not. He's been one of our better players this season, was our best player last season. And I just think it's a bit bit wrong. It's very I mean, Let's face it, he's been a one-man midfield for a lot of his <laughs> time here, isn't he? You know, if we didn't have him, I think we'd be in a League One team now. There's no, no doubt about that. So he's been described as a player. It's a lovely secret that no one else knows about Safa, and I think it's still still the case. I mean, <laughs> you can forgive him for anything. I mean, that goal, that that's true about the Burnley. Although, if we do the waiting for Rooney to take over, we you know we, we couldn't be had that match called off and waited a while. Um, that would have been fun. But no, he's he, he's up there. Smith's up there. They're all good players. Done Smith. <laughs> Dykes when he can get into a game. I mean, that header against Swansea. Because as we're talking about his finishing and what he does. It's almost like he has to do like an almost for the older listeners a kind of Falco-esque type finish. He's instinctive. Um, he's instinctive, yeah. isn't he? He's not. If you give him, if he needs to think about it, if he even needs to think about it for a second, he's going to miss. You saw it at Stoke. He was running yeah. through on their keeper, and he just couldn't. He couldn't knock it past him. Whereas he goes and put, puts away that volley, which not many strikers will be able to do because he's working off instincts, and that's why he does so well for Scotland. Because the delivery gets from Andy Robertson, then crosses, just d- does that front post header. So, oh, we're just going to get a hold of Andy Robertson. I like that. Now, listen, we're going to stop saying last night because no one heard it apart from us. We're going to stop saying that because people are probably think it was the best podcast ever. It wasn't. Just couldn't hear me. In that case, it was the best podcast. <laughs> well, some would argue otherwise. Then I just did that for you, Simon. Just did that Sorry. for you. Sorry. <laughs> now, <laughs> since, since we recorded the podcast, it never was. We've had another stand renamed. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> oh, have we now? Yeah, have we now? Who's 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 um who's sponsoring us now? The, oh, what what is it? The Loftus Engineering stand now. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, <laughs> yes. So I got to thinking, and I'm going to come back to Young George in this. Uh, sorry for saying Young George. That's quite nice. And sorry, George. But you are young and you're oh. called George. What the hell? Um, does that mean? Does that mean we might have some money? Or I think. I think it's a bit optimistic for everyone to come out and say, "Oh, we're going to sign these millions of st- like like." I just mean anyone striking. Well, yeah. Well, I think that Sifuentes wouldn't have come if we couldn't sign anyone anyway. I think he has got funds in January. I think that he will bring in a couple of a couple of players, if not more. So especially a striker. A striker is so crucial, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you've seen it ever since Lee Hoos has taken over as a uh, chairman. Everything's sponsored. Like, don't move. You may be sponsored for all you know. Like, you see QPR Coffee now. You've got every... Is, what is it? Every stand sponsored now? Like, it's good to see because these other clubs have been doing it for years. Like, you see, Man City would not, have, not be as rich as their stadium being called the Etihad. Like, it's got no thing apart from sponsors. I've been calling out for it for ages. And you see these people who say, oh, yeah, you can't change the name of your ground or you can't change the name of this stand. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. If it's an easy way of getting in money and beating the FFP and bringing in better players, because if you sign a striker from absolutely nowhere because of that money, no one's going to be complaining about the name of your stand, are they? And do you know what I think is pretty as well, George? I don't know how he does it. Our chairman, Ruben's very busy because he seems to be involved in a lot of these companies and I think that's amazing uh, what a coincidence what an absolute coincidence that is that all these companies but yeah I mean listen it depends what they're going to call the ground I mean you know you've still got the Poundland Stadium in Walsall wow but yeah I mean listen it, it's fine and everything in modern day football is up for grabs and everyone wants to do it I wouldn't feel so bad because God of the day is when we would do something and someone else would get really good at it and you'd feel bad for them because everyone's at it so it's a case of who can be the most Corrupt cleverly and get out of the shit. To be perfectly honest with you, but anyway, Simon. Well, it goes back to what? What do we all call it when we go to when we go to games before we go on to the players? We all say, "Oh, we're going to Loftus Road." We don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not exactly going. We're not going to the Mar Trade or whatever it is, are we? So, 
It's 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 an absolute no-brainer, and I think those who are complaining about it, going about tradition and so on, as I say, look, you know where you're going. You know where you're going. You just don't have to say the name of the sponsor. It's not that difficult. But I think, looking at it, we've got two things potentially in our favour for January. One, the Swedish season's over. So mm-hmm. if Sequentes has got anyone in the um, Swedish league who he thinks can potentially make it, and I know... In the ideal world, we're all looking for the next Victor Giocares, but he, he's going to have an idea of one of those of one of those players. So potentially, with those connections, we might be quite good. And the second one, particularly just to get us through to May, so that we're in a better financial fair play situation, um, Premier League loans. When I don't think it's any surprise that not many um, Premier League clubs wanted to send their youngsters on loan to work with Gareth Ainsworth. I think they know the coaching and that there is going to be, wasn't going to be what they wanted. But I think they could see in the last couple of months with what Sequences has done, there might be a bit more willingness of Premier League clubs to send in their youngsters on loan. And whilst obviously it could be a make or break because it's not ideal putting youngsters into a relegation scrap, um, there are there are potentially people out there who could raise the quality. And you think it's who are Boonham and... Whilst he, whilst on a few occasions he got completely and utterly sort of overruled, and to be fair to the poor lad, I think that what was it the Burnley game he completed about six passes in seventy mm. minutes. He's not going to be in. He's not going to be in that sort of side now. And I'm not saying for one minute get Timmy Rabunam back, but there are players there who can do what Dixon Bonner has potential to do, which is turn and play the ball forward a bit more. And I think there's two positions. Obviously, the striker is crucial, but I also think a a midfielder who can turn and either run with the ball or get that ball ball moving forward there, for me, are probably the two big things that we need to look at in January. And let's be honest about it, it may well be tricky, but particularly with finances, I think it's something we've got to do if we want to survive. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's got to be loan players out there, hasn't there? I mean, it just has to be Safi, doesn't it? There has to be someone that will give us some players to give them experience and see what life's like at the um, Loftus engineering stand. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think the hard thing is, especially in this division, everybody's out for that same player, aren't they? They're all looking for it. But I think Simon's hit the nail on the head. You know, if, if you're looking at, um, and I think to be fair, for you know, over the you know, un, un, under some of the other managers we've had, I think teams have been quite prepared to send their youngsters here because of the way that we were playing and what we were trying to do. So, um, hopefully, we can pull a you know, I, I, I still think there's a little bit of questions over what what the structure actually is in terms of transfers. Um, you know, the director of football issue still hasn't been resolved. I don't know who picks players. I, you know, maybe as you said, we we, we can pull some nugget from Sweden and you know do something but it, it, you do kind of wonder who's leading this um but you know as I said we we can hope and as you said with these with these recent sponsorships we've had or sponsoring ourselves hopefully it gives us a little bit of headroom to do something you can have the IKEA stand couldn't you <laughs> yeah that would work now it's it's difficult but I think Sam we all agree don't we we need we we need some players in um the score just needs a little bit of creativity to, to to survive this. I think I think for me the creativity in a way we may not have a problem with, but particularly if we keep Chair and Willock. But there's potentially going to be a dilemma coming up with um Chris Willock and Ilias Chair. Well, not so much with Willock, which is essentially we need to get whatever money we can in January. Uh, but Leeds, do you think he'll by go all account? Sorry. Do you think he'll go in January or do you think he'll just run his contract down and leave it, in the It's summer? a difficult one, Sapper. I think for us, if we if we can get rid of him in January, I think we'll get rid of him in January. But let's be honest, that's entirely in that's entirely in Chris Willock's hand. One thing that potentially I'm thinking is with Beal coming in at Sunderland, one of the one of the things they might do, particularly given where they are near the playoffs, is they might make a pretty um derisory bid. But it's going to be one of those bids where it's either going to be whatever little money they offer or no money at all. Where the dilemma is for me, or actually it's not going to be a dilemma because I think we're going to have to do it, is what we do if the team comes in for Willius Chair because his form's 
his form's gone back to what we know he can do under sequences. And there was a lot of talk in the summer about Leeds potentially putting in a £6 million bid for him in the summer. And it's what we basically do there in January if Leeds or anyone else see that and actually go, do you know what? We're going to go with a £6 million and potentially a 20% add-on. Do we, do we take that and run the risk of not, not replacing him adequately? Ooh, George? You'd take it any day, wouldn't you? If someone offered you six million for chair right now, you'd easily take it. That's why I think in the summer, the the reports that we turned down a six million bid from Leeds or that, or whoever it was, was a complete like not true because it, that's just how that's just how it's always been at QPR. You have these, and if any decent bid comes in, you're going to sell them. We've always been a selling club. That's just how it's been, and I think will it will be a case of getting anything we can. I think there's a high chance he will go in January and you can say Bill here, Bill there, but like, I don't know. If if anyone offers like, what, half a million, Finney said 200, 300,000, you would take it because it's better than nothing, isn't it? Well, and it's, but I think it's just, it's just such an easy decision. If someone comes in for 6 million for chair, you'll take it because you can then re reinvest that money. What would you rather chair in the squad that we have now or a chair and an extra striker and another creative midfielder. That's but the, but the question there is George, and it was picked on by by Sapper is who's actually who's actually signing the players, who's actually well, in control of getting those players in. Well, that's what, that's what I mean. Something we'll never know. Like Lee, who seems to be doing everything at the moment, so who knows whether it's him or not. But. Uh, yeah, but we, we don't know. They said that they've been holding interviews at this fan forum for the next director of football. So hopefully that can come in soon. But we're just so in the dark, aren't we? We don't know who's handling the transfers or even like the manager signing. Like, I always believe that Batia was the reason that Ainsworth was signed in the first place. I think that was such a Batia thing. Please the crowd even, sorry. Please the crowd, exactly. So... Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? All I know is that Marty will have ideas of players he wants to bring in. He's already said that in interviews, that he's got a few targets that he wants. And I think people saying, oh, yeah, we're not going to buy anyone in January. We've got no money at all. It's a complete lie. I think Mar there's not a chance Marty would have joined if he had no funds in January. Because you look at the squad now and you think it's a couple of injuries away from a relegation squad. And it's just... The squad depth already is bad. Like, say, like a chair gets in. Well, chairs go potentially going off to Africa Cup of Nations anyway, and so is Kakai. But you're just a couple of injuries off, and I think signings are so crucial. It needs to happen. But who's doing them? Who knows? But it just needs to happen. It's a bit strange we didn't get any loans in. That, that, that I still can't get my head around that for a championship side with low on cash and low on depth. I still can't get my head. It'll go back to what I said earlier, though, with Ainsworth in with Ainsworth in charge. Is who would be who would be prepared to put some of their youngsters in to be coached with whacking channel balls to Sinclair Armstrong or chasing channel balls, which have been which have been whacked. They're not they're not going to do that. And some of the more expensive ones, I mean, by all accounts, we we're in for Jay Stansfield, and we got blown out of the water on finances. So it's it's not a massive surprise to me we didn't go down the loan routes. And sometimes, I think it was last season, we moaned about we had too many loans. Yeah. And yeah. it's almost like we're getting a right, sometimes need to get that right balance in. And last season, I think we went too far. And yeah, maybe, maybe a couple of loans, absolutely right. But it's a case of getting the balance, which I don't think we've got in the last couple of years. Well, loans loans can go either way, can't they? The see the season that season when we brought in them four loan sides and signings, Austin Johansson, Device, and someone else. I think I can't remember who it was, but that completely changed our season and put us on the up, didn't it? And I think you you hit the nail on the head there. The fact of ain't no one wanted to come in and play for Ainsworth. Why would you? You said about Irabunum not getting any getting six passes against Burnley. He didn't get a single pass. That was the thing. Not one pass in sixty-seven minutes of football. That's just oh, crazy. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. What? Why? Why would you look? Why would a Premier League club look at us and think they're going to be relegation fodder this season under Ainsworth? That it's going to be going over their heads. What? Why would you? And I think, as you rightfully said as well, finances. 
I think Ainsworth went down the route of getting experienced heads in at whatever cost. Like, Cook, yeah, he's he's been, in my eyes, our player of the season this year. He looks so assured when he's in the team. But who knows what he's on? Like, if we didn't get Cook in, we could have got in a young Premier League loney or, and a, another youngster. So, who knows? And then you've got the likes of, as I said a couple of t like pods ago, Colback and Cook, they're on two-year deals. They're, they're dead money. You're not going to be able to sell anyone. You're not going to be able to sell them for any money, are you? And you've got... I think one signing that was good is Reggie Cannon coming in. It, you could yeah. see you could see him having a little bit of sell-on value just because how good he's been when he's played recently. You you look and when he came off against Sheffield Wednesday, that right side looked completely completely different. Like Dixon Bonnet, as I said, never played right back in his life. I feel bad for the guy. And then Kakai. Well, I've said I've said all these points already, but yeah. No, I think I think you're right, but. It's balance. When I say creativity, by the way, I meant creativity with getting the squad numbers right, getting players in the right positions, doing things. And I think Saturday was just a, as we've said, it's it's a, it's it's one of them things we have to put behind us. Which leads me on nicely, because time as usual, we're having a lovely wee yarn. And um it's you know, people have because apparently podcasts are made for commuting journeys. Yeah. Not on Barnard. It never leaves in time, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, yes. Southampton, Safa. Not only is that your local match for the season, which you must be delayed. It's only going to take you how long? Oh, no, it's at our place, isn't it? Shit, never mind. <laughs> that was... <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that the other week as well. I could have sworn Plymouth was away. This Since I've had COVID, the old brain's not... It never worked in the first place. All right. Well, it's near enough... Yeah, what yeah. I just said, Safi. You're looking forward to Saturday and coming up with all the Southampton fans. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, it is. Uh, there'll be a few. It's funny, you know. Here, most most people down here are actually Portsmouth rather than Southampton. Uh, to be honest, quite oh. weird. I don't know why, but eat the whole Isle of Wight more Portsmouth. But um, yeah, I am. I'm, I I think it will be nice, and and definitely one thing we've seen is is we are definitely better with teams that come to attack and play, which Southampton definitely will do that. Um, I thought Russell Martin's team is always a bit odd in terms of some of what they do with their weird things. <laughs> I hope they like. I've seen them on Sky a few times. They've been absolutely chaotic how they are, but they, he does seem to have, have you know picking up a few results now. So um, yeah, I think it'll be a good game. And um, again, typical QPR, isn't it? You look at the last results that we've beaten Hull and we've beaten Preston, and then we lose to Sheffield Wednesday. Who knows? You know. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good game. Yeah. Simon, you won't be coming down via the Isle of Wight by chance, will you? Not quite, no. I'll be coming down from Paul because I'll be with my mum and dad and I'm coming back. I'm going back to our house on the Saturday morning via that. But I've noticed Southampton very, very good at home, but away from home, they haven't won in their last three. Oh, no, don't say that. Oh, that's it. Done. Lost. Sorry, me and, <laughs> sorry me, and my, me and my stats. Yeah, but no, they've no, done... No, no. That's the worst anyway. thing you can say. Right, I'll rephrase it. So yeah, they haven't won in their last three. They drew. They drawn against sides like um, Watford. They drawn against Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield. They drew one all. And there were a few things, particularly towards the end of the whole game, which gives us a little bit of encouragement because Hull, in particular, were quite strong in trying to play out from the yeah. back, very similar to what Southampton did. And one of the things I did. Think we did superbly in that whole game was press up high and there was that one where there was about five ten minutes to go where I think you had Dizelle, Chair, Willock, Dykes all pressing and that's even without the Armstrong one that we did mm. um, all pressing and it was really good to see and there is potential there with Southampton even with the Russell Martin sides at Swansea the game last season, there was plenty of opportunities for us to end up getting goals there. So right. if we can if we can execute that press against Southampton, like we know we can do, yeah, there is potential there. Look, don't get me wrong, they're they're very good going, they're very good going forward. The likes of Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, that's a top draw championship combo. But there is going to be potential there given the way they play out and hopefully. And I'd expect that's something that we prepared for and something that we could we could potentially surprise them with. 
Do you know what I think is going to happen Saturday? And this is all I'm going to say about the game. I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be great. Sam Field, 35-yard fully, followed by Trevor Sinclair, like overhead kick. Thank you very much. 2-0 Rangers. Happy freaking days. George? Well, I just, I think the one major praise I give to Sifuentes is that he's made losses hurt again. Like you, ah. you go into you, you, you now go into Southampton and you think, oh, we may have a chance here, and you think of reasons why you may win the game. And I completely agree with you. They're not exactly the most comfortable playing out the back. I remember I've I've seen a couple of their games, as you said, may chaos everywhere, and it's just. Like this I'd, I'd I'd rather that than a team that just sit back and let us go on, and that leads to us getting complacent. <laughs> but I think. You are right, and it's good. So good to see us actually having a pressing pattern now. And I and I heard that uh, was it after the whole game, Liam Rossini trying to throw us under the bus, saying that we that our players are going over asking how to press. How embarrassing is that losing to a team who can't press? Did he say that? That's what, yeah, he did. He said that in his okay. post match post match. And I just think it's there's a lot of positives, and I think that with a it's looking like it's going to be a sellout on Saturday. They're 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 selling out their end. It'll be a sellout at home. And I think there's a massive chance to get all three points. I can't believe you said that, George. How rude. How rude. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not that I know anything about Preston, as you can see with my T-shirts. So we're all... Well, I might as well do predictions then. Um, I'm going to go back to you. So I've already done mine. It's going to be a glorious 2-0 win. And we're going to raise the roof and the loftiest road stand of whatever it's called, electronics, engineering. Yeah. Carry on. Safa? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-1. Two, 2-1, one. Two, one. yeah. Okay. Double. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, do, I, I think um, I, 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 this is exactly the kind of game that suits us. So, you know, we've got hope. There's, um, you know, let's forget the Sheffield Wednesday one. On the whole, our form's been really good. So let's hope we can carry that on on Saturday and, and yeah, see what, see what happens. Simon? I'm going to go one all. Any reason why? Can I expand? Okay. Um, because, because again, we, we are going to, we are going to come out a lot, lot more. We play better against other sides, but, the concern still remains about creating chances and creating good chances and being able to finish. And that's not going to change with a, with a better opponent. So yes, we will give a far greater account of ourselves. We will be, I suspect a lot more intense, but at the end of the day, it's still the same people trying to finish. So at the end of it, yeah, I still think one all, and you know what? I, I'd take that against the side who's in the top four. That's not a bad show. George, come on. I'm go I'm going for a I'm gonna agree with Safra, I'm going for a two one win. But although I think that is being a bit optimistic, I think if we can limit them to just one goal in a game, that would be a great feat. Because if you think about it, they've got Adam Armstrong, very much a vacuum player, too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League. Shea Adams wants it. If they're your two strikers, like two of your strikers, they got Ross Stewart in the reserves. Like it's just it's just unbelievable the difference in grades this year between championship sides, but that's a whole different debate. And it's just I think you that have Leicester. And I think I yeah, so on the day I think it'll be I think we'll perform and I think Sifuentes will be annoyed and so will the players. I think for once they may actually respond to a loss okay. away at Sheffield Wednesday. So I think we'll come out and yeah, we'll get the win. Well, okay. Well I'm not changing my I'm 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 shutting the mode. I tell you, they're not getting anywhere near my Loftus Road uh, electronic stand, whatever it is. Um, I tell you, not a hope. We're sponsoring that. Um, I think it's, I think this is we said this before a few times, but I can't even believe the, the the home support this season and the away support. It's been pretty damn good, pretty impressive, and it just shows you the love that the fans have for this club and how patient. More importantly, how patient they've been. Um, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll get a nice wee early Christmas present and then get one on Boxing Day as well because we should really talk about Millwall. But we'll just do it quickly because otherwise people will be getting to their destinations and they won't be able to be turning off the podcast. So um, we'll do Millwall as well very quickly. Safa, right? We've already beat Southampton. We're a little bit off. The pressure's a little bit off. Um, 
They're talking about sponsoring the school end. Um, <laughs> can you imagine those series? They already, they already do. Oh, yeah, do they? Oh, Achille- Achilles security end. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's a good job it's not Durex, isn't it? Because I like, can you imagine the headline, Rangers get ahead at the Durex stand. I mean, it just doesn't bear thinking about it, does it? We have to be careful with these things, you know? Staffer, Millwall. Um... Okay, I'm I'm gonna kind of try and keep with the positive side. Um go. I don't think we'll win there though, no, I'm not gonna lie. One one. I think that'll be a tough game. One one just, just out of interest, Safa. I mean, I, I'm not picking on you. Trust me, I'm not. You had a bad day, mate. Have I had a bad day? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not I'm as I said Paul, I'm still not over Saturday. It's killing right. me that one. Yeah. Right, well you didn't get home to a goddess house. What time did you get home at? Do you know, that was one positive. We managed to catch the, the 10 o'clock ferry with, honestly, six minutes to spare. So that was good. That took two hours off our journey. But it was, yeah, overall, it was 18-hour round trip. So it was a long day. But um, That's why I'm looking so depressed. No, you don't. You look you look glorious. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to stop with the jokes now, OK? I've done two tonight. And, I, and judging by your face, I'm going to stop it now. I think the, the career is definitely sticking with driving a van. Simon, Millwall. I'm not going to be there. I'm at Kingsland v Boston United at that time for reasons only known to me. And we're being for Millwall. Go Christmas, aren't you? What's that? You're going up to see the family at Christmas, aren't you? Yes. Anyway, yeah, enough about that. Um, I, I reckon the Millwall one will... I'm, I'm with Sapper. I can't see us winning that, to be honest. And that's not out of any sort of negativity. This is going to be another side who... Uh, who are fighting at the bottom, struggling, and they've been struggling for goals as well. So, I'm—I don't think we'll lose. I think it'll be a um, nil-nil draw. Okay, George. Well, I was thinking nil-nil, and I have been thinking nil-nil for the last couple of weeks. But I think we've been slagging off our strikers too much. So I think we're going to win one-nil. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I—I—I I, I think it's going to be. Um, I think it could well be a nil-nil draw. Therefore, everyone, come and expect a goal feast because I get anything wrong. But no, I think it's one o'clock kickoff. Apparently, it's sold out. I don't think I don't think we've sold out, have we? Well, uh, we got top, we got top and bottom this year, so yeah, I might stay top. <laughs> no reason. Um, and um, so yeah, the atmosphere is going to be pretty good. So I think yeah, probably a nil nil one all draw. But you never know; could be another field brace two one. Take that all day long. I love it now. Field just scores it all in every game going through the season, and I'm meeting me words, but I'd, I'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Right, we've come to the hour's end. Um, by the way, I think Field has still been my player this season, along with Cook, as I said earlier on, just saying. Um, but the keeper's doing well as well now, so he's pushing. Um, Safa, hour's end, and does it involve happiness? That's uh, no, I'll I, I tell you actually. I'll tell you what my eyes end was. Uh, on, obviously, we can't we can't let this go past without mentioning Mick Beale going to Sunderland. Oh, I'll tell you one thing, I, and I love this. It really made me. I don't know if anybody is sad enough to have listened to his his interview when he <laughs> I did, um, but it made me laugh because he he went in there and they were speaking about the setup, which has been quite a bone of contention with Sunderland fans and a huge part, apparently, of one of the hang-ups that, that Mowbray had when he left. But he spoke about how he's worked within a kind of head coach role at Rangers and kind of like, well, fit that, like, you know, handed a glove. And it it really made me laugh. There was a response straight after by a Rangers fan. Uh, and I'll quote it. He's already lying. He was hired as our manager, not head coach. And then they've actually... <laughs> screenshotted the announcement of him going in at Rangers as manager, not head coach. And uh, yeah, as I said, no, no bitterness or resentment towards Sunderland, but uh, I, it is astounding that how economical he is with the truth. And yeah, in his first interview, bang, he's already back to his old way. So good luck to them. I think they'll need it with him. Um, but yeah, that, that's why I was in today. You'd expect nothing less with Chelsea fan. Simon? I'm going to carry on the R's end and just keep slagging McBeal off because I don't think we can we can end doing that, to be honest. Um, what I, I'm i amazed that he's actually got the job on the back of what is essentially seven decent weeks of QPR. Because if you have a look, yes, he's given it all the big and about. He was the one who won the title in Scotland and it was nothing to do with Stephen Gerrard. I think that's quite clearly been shown to be a complete and utter fallacy and... 
I'll give him his due. He's got a damn good PR man there because, but Sunderland's a massive, Sunderland's a massive one for him. And it's one which I think he'll, yes, he may well have two, three months of success, but I can see it. I can see it going badly wrong. But I think the one thing we hope for is at the very least, if even if he can't come to Loftus Road, at least he'll be there at the Stadium of Lights on March the 16th, where hopefully we can give him an idea what we what we think of it. Right, we're going to say Mick Bill come back to us then, because right, right, Lisa, you can't let us go. I'm I'm kind of hoping that one day, just one day, he's doing an interview and his face pops. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and a little head pops out and says, I've always been here, you know. Um, yes, I can't stand the bloke. I don't care what anyone says. He's an absolute, what he done to us. Could have been any club, but... One of the things he did do that people don't talk about. Very out of order. By the way, I'm sorry about my dog. He's having a bit of a half an hour. If you can hear him running around, um, was going to that match. Rangers were playing Aberdeen when they still had a manager. I think yeah. in the, that's the one thing that everyone in the football world was like, no, 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 no. So it shows you he has absolutely no morals, no concept, concept of de- decency, and. Um, I do remember interviewing, we had him on the podcast, I kept slagging off Chelsea because he kept putting faces, so I slagged them off even more. And and I am pleased I did that. Um, turns out he was a massive Chelsea fan. Who knew? Who would have guessed? The way he behaved. But I think, so, I've always liked something, and I think it's a shame because they're always looking for that person to come in and, and get them going again. He is not that person. And I hope that they get rid of him as quickly as possible. But we'll, I'll give him some fun in March, but I don't think he'll be there long enough to come back to Lotus Road next season. That may come back to haunt me, but I just think he, he gets found out, doesn't he? He'll get found out again. George? Well, rumour has it he's got his PowerPoint presentation ready for the Nottingham Forest job. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I, that won't, my, this ain't my RSM, but I've already seen Southern fans turning on, turning on him. Hashtag Beal out is already going around Twitter. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I don't want him to succeed, but you hate to say the players they've got do suit his style of football, but I don't know. I don't know whether he's going to be there for long. Hope he doesn't. Absolute snake. But my R's end is I'm going to bring back to QPR and the positivity of our under-18s beating Wolves yes. in, the, in the Youth Cup. 9-8 on penalties. I was actually watching that on the way home after Plymouth. And uh, it's very good to see. They haven't exactly had the best season. I've been looking on Twitter, getting thumped 9-0 here, 6-0 there. So it's good to see. It is really good to see that I haven't exactly been the biggest fan of our academy, but it's good that the it's get, it's getting better across the whole club now. Yeah, well, we'll take that and well done, though. So I, I thought that was a brilliant result, and um, yeah, it's no mean feat to go to Wolves and be there. You said it, Simon. You can have your eyes end. Um, Safi, you can have another eyes end if you want. Um, I just started a conversation about Bill, but it's entirely up to you. But I'll go to Simon, and then you can give me a little sign if you want to come back, Simon. I think again, George is taking my R's end again. That's that's time in two points. But where um I think it just remains for us to say um all the best wishes to all QPR fans. Hopefully you have a good, relaxing Christmas. Thanks for thanks for listening. And yeah, hope let's hope we get a good Christmas, good successful Christmas. Make sure we're still in touch, ready for January. Easy enough, isn't it? Anything else? No. Okay. I'll let I'll let you go first next time, Simon. Thanks, George. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what freaking Bill said, and look what he done to us. Right, Safi, do you wanna do you wanna add anything? No, I was all in on Bill. Oh, that's that's me. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't want to make a a, a mountain of a molehill. <laughs> um yes, we'll just leave that one. <laughs> Brilliant. So there you go. Right, my eyes. I just, you know, I, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I, I think I've swallowed the shittiest joke book in the shittiest secondhand charity shop ever. And um, I'm not doing it again. It's not enjoyable. I'm terrible. Right. Um, my eyes end is it's a year since we lost Eden McBeerity. I'm very, very aware of how much pain his family's going through this time of year and so soon. And I'm giving them lots of love and support. It'll never, never, ever count as anything to what the loss have had and to his mates like Ian McCulloch, who I know is still in serious grief over it. And um, hopefully we'll get a good Christmas and we're thinking of 
Aidan would maybe just put some goals past his teams and pick up some points. And my last hour's end is just basically to finish off what Simon said, which is I get amazed that the, the podcast is still going. I really do. Um, considering that I've been in charge of it now, and I'll be frank, after last night proved, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, and we're sorting it out slowly but surely, so please bear with us, people. It will get better next year. We are going to sort ourselves out. We are going to get there. We've got... um. My little friend Paul's helping me. So we're going to do this and it'll be better. And But thank you for the loyalty and listening every week. It is much appreciated. And I hope everyone has a great Christmas. And don't forget, there's no British reel to Millwall. So you're either going to have to walk from London Bridge or go to Bermondsey or whatever. I don't know how, I don't know what the hell is going to happen after the game. But hey-ho, we'll see. That could be interesting. Um, probably walk us to New Cross, no, my luck. Man, you could do with some steps. Anyway, so listen, I hope you all have a great Christmas. Safa, Michael, thank you very, very, very much. Pleasure. For thank you for having me. And, 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 and I hope you hope Saturday gets you over last Saturday with Wednesday, if that makes sense. <laughs> I hope so. Yes. Simon, as always, have a brilliant Christmas, mate. You've been a brilliant addition to the pod. And um, you and Kate have a good uh, Christmas, mate. Yeah, will do, mate. And yeah, see you probably, if not Saturday, definitely at Ipswich. Oh, yeah, we've got a game to go. I thought it was a something half an hour ago, but don't tell anyone. Um, right, I think I got away with that one. <laughs> hey, no one pick that one up. George, thank you so much. And as ever, another great addition to the pod this year when you've been on. I need to get you on more, but you talk far too much sense and you're an old soul and a young body and it puts the rest of us to shame. But thank you for joining us. I do oh, appreciate it. Pleasure and, as always, Paul. Always happy to come on. A Merry Christmas, everyone. Exactly. And come on, you rip roaring rangers. We can do this. Come on, we can win. Sign a striker. Thank you for this podcast.